This is The Healthy Sensitive, episode 28. everybody to The Healthy Sensitive. I'm Leah Burkhart, your hostess on the show, and today what I want to talk a little bit about uh, is problems, or I guess another way of putting it is the right kind of problems. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny, I think we're wired, or at least I know I am, to look for what's not going right. At least for me, the reason I look for it is so that I can fix it. And I wonder, you know, in the research that I've done on this subject, I find that over and over again, it does seem to be the case that it's a universal quality in humans that we do look for these things that are going wrong in our lives in the hopes of correcting them. And it's systematized that way in our little <laughs> bodies so that we could survive. And I guess the justification is, well, you know, if you're in nature and you accidentally forget about the saber-toothed tiger you ran into yesterday, well, you could die. If you accidentally forget about the rose petal bush that, you know, <laughs> you may or may not have enjoyed, well, that's unfortunate that you missed it, but, you know, you're not going to die because you forgot to smell the roses. So it worked out quite well when we were in an environment that was perpetually dangerous on some level. It's not working out so well for us today in an environment that, while still rife with dangers, is hardly anywhere near as physically dangerous to us as it used to be. So we're continuing to look for problems, and we're pretty successful at it, <laughs> and now we're just making ourselves sick doing it. And I notice this, I think, more and more as I've gotten more entrenched into subjects like positive psychology or uh, you know, different types of philosophy that are geared toward helping people move ever so closer to contentment as opposed to the never-ending roller coaster ride of happiness and sadness, uh, longing and disappointment. <laughs> so this weekend, I actually wrote a blog post about this, so you're welcome to take a look. I was, had every intention of meeting a friend. So this is an example that I'm giving of problems that can come up in our lives. So I was going to meet a friend for a walk around the Lafayette Reservoir. I live in near Lafayette. So about to go on this walk with my very dear friend, who I love with a, you know, an unspeakable amount. And I'm so excited to see him because he's just this wonderful person in my life who I just get to say that I know and how neat is that. So nothing but gratitude as I'm hauling on over to the Lafayette Reservoir. And it's funny, I there's two different exits, that well, several exits you can take to get there. And I remember I was going to take one and it seemed rather crowded, like people were crowding in to take it. And I thought, well, that's interesting. And it occurred to me that I might want to take it too, because maybe they know something I don't. And I thought that just about the time that I was passing them, so it didn't happen. And sure enough, they did know something I didn't, and I got stuck in atrocious traffic. Evidently, all four lanes were closed off because of some horrific accident that had taken place only a few miles ahead. It took three hours to move a mile. And the whole time I'm sitting in this car, I mean, what I should probably tell all of you is, 
you know, there aren't that many things in my life that truly unstitch me. One of them is insomnia, when I can't get to sleep. Although over the past 10 years I've worked quite hard on <laughs> making that relationship a better one. My relationship with sleep and my relationship even with not sleeping. And I've made some progress and I'm really proud of my progress. And getting lost is another. I still get a little unstitched when I get lost because it feels that it's a particular kind of vulnerability. However, with the advent of things like smartphones and, you know, other elements of technology, as well as, again, work that I've done on myself, I find that I am more and more tolerant to even being physically lost, because at the end of the day, I'll probably find my way at some point. But the final one is traffic. And I thought about what the commonality between each of these things are, were, what have you, and I keep finding over and over again, it keeps coming back to control. I... Sleep is something, you know, I can control when I wake up with an alarm. I can control on some level, you know, how I move or where I go. Uh, or at least I feel like I can influence these things in my life. But sleep is a very particular kind of surrender. You know, I can't control what happens, whether or not I drift. I can influence it, you know, by doing certain behaviors and sleep hygiene and doing everything I can so that I feel, get as much rest as possible. But I can't just turn a switch and force myself into slumber. And that's infuriating, especially when I know how, treasure, how much I treasure sleep. And I do not like it when I'm lost because, again, it feels like a loss of control. I don't feel like I know where I'm going and it's a type of vulnerability. And traffic... Oh, dear God, traffic. Uh, here's the thing. I'm stuck and I can't move, which is uncomfortable, I think, for anybody. But I'm stuck in a seated position, which is an added level of discomfort because I don't like sitting for long stretches of time. And I'm stuck in a car, which I'm not crazy about because all I'm thinking about is all of the gas that I'm wasting and the chemicals I'm emitting into the planet while I'm just sitting there. Nothing is getting accomplished, and ordinarily that's the sort of thing that could get my heart pumping and my entire system just flowing with adrenaline and cortisol. But I decided to try an experiment in this unique situation where there was no going anywhere. I did, however, think about pulling over to the side of the road and saying, oh, fool with it, I'm getting out of this car and I'm going to walk to the exit and I don't care what anyone says, tow my car, I don't care. But there was something about... Well, I guess I'll put it this way. Elizabeth Gilbert in her book Eat, Pray, Love talks about an experiment she decides to try with meditation. She decides she's going to go in, in the evening time in India to try, I believe it was Vipassana meditation. It's sort of just complete silence. You're not even using a mantra. And she decides she's going to sit very still for an hour and just see what comes up. And she finds that what comes up at about sunset Mosquitoes. That's what comes up. So <laughs> here she is sitting and she decides, wow, this was a really bad time to decide to do Vipassana meditation. <laughs> and then she pauses with it and she says, you know, maybe there's something to this though, because is there ever really the right time to sit down for Vipassana meditation? Isn't there always some mosquito, metaphorical or tangible, that's biting at us and trying to get our attention? Maybe it's the ding of our smartphones, or maybe it's 
the pull of another to-do list item that we're desperate to get finished for that sense of, you know, for that rush of dopamine accomplishment. And so I thought to myself, what if I, I don't know, I don't tell, don't get me wrong, I wasn't doing Vipassana meditation in traffic. Uh, I don't have that kind of dedication, unfortunately, and also probably wouldn't have been particularly safe, given that though we were crawling inch by inch, there was some movement. But rather, I decided, what if I just stopped with the impulse of pulling over or, you know, trying to navigate and weave through the lanes to get that extra few moments to myself? Why don't I just sit and accept that this is where I am right now? And I did that and ended up writing a blog entry while in the car because I was, you know, paused for long stretches of time, so I had plenty of time to write. And there was something oddly empowering about it, this knowledge that I could endure something that is extremely uncomfortable and come out on the other side perfectly fine. So that all happened and I was feeling very good about myself and, you know, fine. And I wrote a blog about it, so you're welcome to read it if you'd like, so fine. And then the next day comes and I'm able to spend some time with my fiancé. Now I should tell you that our Schedules are such that it's not all that easy for us to see each other. He's a bartender, so he works evenings and nights, and I'm a health educator, so I was working nights, and now it has shifted such that I'm primarily working mornings. So I'm up before, you know, I'm gone before he's awake, and I'm asleep before he comes home. So we get one day together at the end of the week, and for better or for worse, it's a Sunday. So I've had a full day to recover, although in this particular case, I spent three hours of that Saturday in traffic, so mm, I don't know how much I recovered. And it's his first day off, and he's exhausted. So I have more energy, and he has less, and he just kind of wants to cuddle in bed, and I just want to get out and do something and feel alive. And we have different needs, too, different love languages, and we both can speak the other's love language, but it's challenging. And we both have to be fully charged to do it. And yet here we are in this relationship together. And I remember I, I went to the gym because he was taking a nap. And I'm, I'm getting on some level a little bit stirred up about it because, my God, you know, I, why can't I have, why can't I be in a partnership with someone who wants to do the same things that I want to at the same time that I want to? And I'm going on and on and on about it. And then I came home and we talked a little bit about it and, we were talking about the challenge of it, and I think I, at some point I just sat down and realized, I mean, what an incredible life that these are my problems. These are definitely the right kind of problems to be having if you're going to have some. You know, I'm reflecting and thinking I was stuck in traffic. Big whoop. I wasn't the guy they were peeling off the road, nor was the police, the police officer responsible for manning the traffic. I wasn't responsible for the accident in any way shape or form and therefore was victimized in some ways but I was also safe surrounded by other people who were just as safe and who when you saw them looked yes defeated but were safe and happy or you know happy not to be dead <laughs> and I'm sitting here with my partner who I miss and I want to see more of but how lovely to be in a relationship with a person that you want to see more of. My problem could be that I don't have a person in my life that I love. And I don't just mean a romantic partner. It could be that I don't have friends or that I don't have family or, you know, that I feel completely isolated and alone. And that's not my problem. 
My problem is simply figuring out how to balance between the richness of the work I do with the richness of the relationships that I treasure. And so, yeah, I, it just, I guess it just really made me pause. Isn't it interesting to have these kinds of problems? So again, I'm, I'm sort of digesting that and, and playing with that. And then I'm yesterday evening sitting down and watching The Prophet with my fiance. And I never used to like watching The Prophet. If you're curious about what it involves, it's a gentleman who goes out and invests in struggling companies in the hopes of making some money himself with the interest in the loans that he gives and also helping them by giving the resources, tools, and knowledge that he has to offer. So it's an interesting exchange <laughs> in that regard. And we watched two episodes back to back. The first was a gentleman who I could only... I mean, I knew in my bones was an absolute HSP. You know, he was struggling with confidence, and he his the product that he was delivering to people was superb. It was a fabulous idea, but the, his problem was he was so sensitive to feedback from people around him that he would defer to them very quickly, which in some ways is good because that means he's a good collaborator, but in other ways is not so good because his instincts were actually quite good. Uh, so he needed to sort of follow along with those and allow insights from people to influence him and, and steps moving forward, but not completely derail him from the direction he had intentionally decided to go. So at any rate, the entire episode unfolds and his challenge to overcome is confidence and feeling like he knows what he's talking about and being able to deliver the story behind his product with that confidence. Now, flash forward and then the next episode you have this gentleman who is a complete control freak. He has no problem with confidence. In fact, if anything, the problem is that he's too confident in his own self, and he's so sure that the only way to do things is his way. And interestingly, the gentleman who was sensitive and who was struggling with self-confidence ended the episode triumphant. He learned the skills he needed to learn, he absorbed the knowledge he needed to absorb, and then he impacted the people around him in positive ways and figured out how to allow the people around him to impact him in positive ways. So he reached that point, at least that's what we're led to believe by the end of the episode. I'm sure, you know, those things are always tied in a beautiful bow. The reality, of course, is typically more complicated. But conversely, the gentleman that we see in the next episode, who's overly confident and so sure that he's the only one who has the answers, ends up the, the, the deal between the, the prophet and him. The deal falls apart, and he's left floundering. And then, and once again, you know, because obviously when looking at the gentleman who was a highly sensitive person, my fiancé stares at me and goes, oh yeah, he's one of you. <laughs> and my fiancé at one point had said to me that while he appreciates me, he would never himself wish to have a highly sensitive trait. In his mind, it's I don't know if he would go so far as to say a handicap, but certainly not a strength. It's it's a a trait that is a challenge to be overcome in the world that we live in versus not being so sensitive, which allows for more capacity to like to withstand stimulus and hardship. That would that's his from his observations, that's his takeaway from it. And I disagree, although I've only ever lived in the body of a highly sensitive person, so maybe I would therefore sort of be naturally predisposed to disagree. But being a highly sensitive person 
it, it definitely comes with problems. You know, highly sensitive people, we, we get overstimulated more easily. You know, we, we process things deeply, but that means we're always processing. We have emotional depth and breadth, but that means we can easily become overly emotional when pushed and, you know, when we aren't taking care of ourselves and able to emotionally regulate in the ways that we need to. And we do have sensory sensitivity, so, you know, we, we can have these really extraordinarily pleasant experiences with the subtlest of changes in our environment, but we can also be moved to discomfort with something as subtle as, you know, traffic. <laughs> so, but you know something, I think as a highly sensitive person, at least from my perspective as one, the problems I have are the right kinds of problems. At least that's how it feels, because my problems include needing to be careful about my environment, needing to be careful about regulating my emotions and, and taking care of myself in every way possible so that I can optimize my ability to navigate in the world. My problems include, you know, not sleeping well because I haven't done that self-regulation, and those are not pleasant problems. But I don't have any problem with empathy. You know, I, or at least, well, I mean, take away sleep from me for about two days straight, and maybe then I have some problems with it. But I don't struggle with understanding or having compassion for another human being. Not typically. My struggles are not in being willing or able to take feedback. If anything, my problem is that I take feedback too quickly, too readily, and much as the gentleman that we saw in The Prophet, uh, perhaps pivot too soon. But I generally don't take feedback personally unless it's delivered in a personally violent way. Even, you know, I, I appreciate constructive feedback and I adopt it and integrate it to the best of my ability at every turn. Because I am processing so deeply, I'm never bored. I can't be bored. I could stare into oblivion and marvel at my capacity to do so. I can meditate for hours and feel like I just got off of a roller coaster ride at Disneyland. I don't need a lot of flashy things to keep me occupied and to keep me satiated. And that's a pretty cool place to find oneself, especially if, say, they are trapped in a car in traffic. Because I have a car, a safe car, that I could play an audiobook in, that is comfortable for me to sit in. How nice of a problem is that? You know, I other problems that come to my mind, you know, I, I'm desperately trying to figure out what to do with my yard because it looks atrocious and I keep wanting to apologize to the neighbors, but please, I keep wanting to say, understand that we worked so hard on the inside and we're just exhausted. And then I have to pause and think, my God, my problem right now is that the yard at my home is unkept. <laughs> That's a pretty cool problem to have. And my dog, my sweet, but oh, my dog. Ugh. She woke me up this morning at 4 a.m. 4 a.m. I was so sad. I just wanted two more hours. Two more hours. So I'm exhausted as I'm set, you know, recording this podcast now. But as I look at her sweet face, and I did take her on a walk because, well, <laughs> in the morning, nothing else to do. And I'm thinking, I'm, I'm taking her on this walk in the, the hills that are behind the neighborhood of my home. 
and I'm able to take her off leash because there's no one that uses the hills at that time of the morning. And it's like, this is the problem I have, that my sweet puppy, who is adoring and worshipping practically, it wakes me up because she can't bear to be without me at four in the morning, apparently. These are my problems. And they are pretty wonderful problems to have when you pit them against war, famine, chronic illness, death, or if not my death, the death of a loved one. And so I invite you today to be thinking about your problems and asking yourself if perhaps your problems are just like my problems in that they're the right ones to have. I'll end this episode with a great story from one of my favorite people in the world. Uh, I, I worked, worked past tense and work on some level with her still. And she said she was with her husband and she was in the store of Bed Bath & Beyond of all things. I think it was a grand opening. And in their grand opening, they had caviar and crackers uh, to serve to people. And she just thought this was really neat. But she tried, she was struggling to get the caviar on the crackers because the crackers that were provided were not really sturdy enough to hold the caviar. And in her frustration, I should say it's at some point in the frustration that was involved with this process, she turned to her husband and she said, these are the right kinds of problems to have. Caviar on the wrong shaped cracker. So my dear ones, I invite you to think about the problems in your life and ask yourself if perhaps they are merely caviar on the wrong shaped crackers. If you have anything to say about this topic, I would dearly love to hear from you. Hear, love to hear your thoughts about gratitude and about, you know, caviar on the wrong shaped cracker, stories that you might have about this subject. Uh, you can reach me and contact me in my, directly at my website. That's www.thehealthysensitive.com. And uh, you can just click on contact me if you like. Uh, my podcast is also linked there. Uh, you can also reach me through my podcast directly. I have it published on iTunes as well as Podbean. And, of course, you can find me on social media, uh, HealthyHSP. That's on Twitter. Uh, health, uh, it's also on Instagram. And I think on Instagram it's The Healthy Sensitive, in fact. And then, of course, you can follow me on Facebook, The Healthy Sensitives. <laughs> if you want to join the group, love to have you. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Uh, this is Monday, so I hope that we, your week starts off, I want to say as good as mine, but perhaps I wouldn't wish for you to be awakened at four in the morning. So I hope you too wake up thinking about all the delights of your life and being grateful for your problems. <laughs> Take care and uh, see, talk to you next week.